It's your girl, CC baby on the ones and twos. You live to be irky. I live to be a rapper. All right. So it is Cassandra Lenore. I am your co-host, joined by my other co-host. Dana Kyle. Dana Kyle McBeth. Don't she got like a famous fashion name, y'all? Every time I see her name, I wish my name. No, I love my name. But still, like, I just think her name is so cool. So we're going to be joining you. Uh, we're going to give you guys some time to join us. But we have an amazing conversation um, in store for you today. So I'm really excited about it. I'm like extremely excited to be on with my boo, Dana Dane from the Bronx. No, I'm just joking. <laughs> Don't ever. Woo-wee. All right, so y'all can share, you can comment, you can like, you can post. We really want you guys to engage with us on today. Oh, baby, I am looking. I don't see it. It's on my page. I'm looking like a light. Ooh, Coda shared it. I'm not asking you now. Oh. Hey, Coda, girl. Look at my pillow. This is my back pillow. Isn't it so cute? It is cute. Thank you. Okay. All right, y'all. So we have people joining us. What's she? What's she talking about, Coda? Never ever what? Oh, from the Bronx. That's what she's talking about. Oh, <laughs> a man from Queens. Don't do that either. <laughs> All right. So we go. Um... All right. So we gonna pray in. Um, hey, Coda girl. And then we're going to get started. So if our hearts and minds are clear, let's bow our head and go to the Father. Dana, do you want to pray in or me? Sorry. You can go ahead. Okay. Dear God, I just thank you for being the sovereign God that you are. I thank you for being absolutely everything that we need when we need it. In this moment, Lord God, I just decree and declare that there is none of us and only you. Holy Spirit, we welcome you into this space. We say that you can think through our minds and speak through our lips and give us the tongue of the learned so that God is glorified, so that the people and the listeners are good. We ask that you prepare their hearts and their minds to receive. We thank you in advance, Lord God, that they will engage and converse with us and that this will just be an amazing conversation and time in you. So we thank you for the fellowship. We thank you for the fun. We thank you for the covenant relationships, the strategic partnerships, the divine connections, and all that will be birthed from this moment of humility, from this this moment of obedience and from this moment of just seeking you first, God. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 All right. So Dana, take us away. Tell us about today's topic. It's just seems it's been the theme at least the last two or three weeks that our conversations throughout the week leading up to Thursday stem from our Bible study on Tuesday. And this past Tuesday, we had a Bible study that was really deep personally for me. Like I felt like it was, our Bible study usually lasts like an hour, mm -hmm. like an hour. And I feel like it was too much for that one hour. And I felt like I was speeding through it and that it was so much meat to it that we didn't even really get into it for real, for real, or we could have got deeper. Yeah. And 
And it just sparked, uh, I guess, a lot for you, because that's what you told me, at least, that it, like, really ministered to you and you learned a lot, clarified a lot. Mm-hmm. And I don't know, it, it, it was deep to me. I don't know if it necessarily clarified things, but it was just deep. Like, as I was prepping for it, I was like, this is deep. <laughs> like, I was like, oh, this is a lot. Like, really... I think it just opened up a new form of study for me in terms of getting into the Bible. And because I really broke down one verse. Yeah. But it was helpful. So to extend that conversation or that study into this conversation, we were in Romans. Actually, we were in Philippians 1 because that's our Bible study series. It's been to live as Christ. And we had so far three parts and we have been going through various verses in Philippians 1. And so our first night we were in verses 12 through 18. The second night we were in 19 to 20. And then the third night being this past Tuesday, I thought we were going to progress into like verse 21 to whatever. But God was like, no, go back to verse 20. And in verse 20, it just shows Paul's commitment to Christ. But he says that he wants Christ to be magnified in his body, whether he lives or dies. And that took me to Romans 12, 1, because it was really showing his commitment to being a sacrifice, to being yeah. a living sacrifice so that he could be used to glorify and magnify God. And so the conversation on Bible study Tuesday night was just living sacrifices and how we are asked to be living sacrifices. Not that it's necessarily a commandment or not necessarily that it's something God, <laughs> you know, tells us we have to do, but it's something that Paul begs us to do. And I think in him begging us, it shows the importance of- uh, Okay, keep talking to the people. I want to grab my notes. I don't know why I didn't have them. <laughs> it shows the importance in it, even though it's not a commandment, he is begging you. He says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren. And beseech means to ask or beg. But I like the definition of beg because when I hear beseech, I think beg. And so he's begging you to do this, to become living sacrifices. But then it really makes you break down what is a living sacrifice. So our... Conversation on Tuesday, we broke down the entire verse, like from I beseech you to therefore to brethren, like word by word, we broke it down. But where I think the meat of it is obviously in the part of the verse that says that she presents your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and acceptable to God. And so I don't know how you want to, I don't want it to be like a Bible study. Team. Yeah, me neither. I guess I really want to start off just by asking, like, when when we hear that scripture, did you did you read the scripture while I was away? I did it from memory, but I can read it exactly. But I believe it says, I beseech you, brethren, therefore, or I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. Shout out to me for memorizing. Come on, Holy Spirit and Dana. Like, good stuff. Yeah, yeah that, is, that is what it is. So when you break down that verse, you're going to memorize it. because like, Yeah, you studied that thing. We, I broke down every word like granted i had the inspiration from a commentary that broke it down but it broke it down by like phrase we broke it down by word obviously yeah. therefore brethren 
mercies. Like, so. Present your bodies, living sacrifice. So I guess the question that I really want to ask people, it, yeah, you see living sacrifice and then living sacrifice. Yeah, that was so good. Like, first of all, before we even continue in the conversation, shout out to 2030s, shout out to their leadership, Dana Kyle. Um, you guys should really join. You can follow them on social media. I know their Instagram handle is 2030s. Ministry, yeah, two zero s three zero s ministry. Two zero three zero s ministry. Yeah, it ain't my ministry. <laughs> so you should follow him on social media, really, and just like tune in. Um, I know that people have been reaching out to me, and this is like a perfect time, like shameless plug. I know that people have been reaching out to me, asking me if I'm gonna be hosting any private Bible studies or anything. But I actually attend a private Bible study, and it's actually public, so you guys can attend the 2030s Bible study. It's very um engaging. It's enriching. I I love it because it's an intimate setting, but it's also very um like personal and conversational because like we're on video conference call. So we're able to ask questions and hold the conversation and ask her to repeat stuff. So it's not more so like, I guess a church Bible study where they're more so like talking to you, but it's kind of like a round table discussion only virtually. And that happens on Tuesdays. So if you just follow 2030s um, on social, on social media, specifically Instagram, you will be able to um, sign up for the newsletter when she sends out the link every whatever Monday or whenever she sends out the link. So um, that's a plug for 2030s. So I wanted to. We got some 2030s, <laughs> got some 2030s on the live or on the live stream. Hey, so, so I really wanted to just open up today or I wanted Dana to open up today with just defining the background and telling why we're, this is our discussion today. But I think I really want to ask people, like, what does being a living sacrifice for God look like to you or when you hear those words like um being a living sacrifice what is something that you immediately think like and i'm gonna just speak for me while i'm waiting on you guys' responses because we do want you to respond and communicate with us today um i guess when i looked at that living sacrifice just before the bible study i just felt i, I think like last last week i yep last week i went in on it because i was um I was trying to get to during our last conversation live stream. I was trying to get to Romans 12, 2. And I started with verse one. And I think I had a whole moment <laughs> that ended up making me like get super emotional. And I was like, oh my gosh, like living sacrifice. And it had led me to reading this note that I had wrote to God last week. So you guys can go back and rewatch that if you weren't able to watch it live. It is still on our pages. It'll probably be easier to find it on Dana page because I'll be posting way more than her. Um, but nevertheless, like one of the things that that living sacrifice like really ministered to me even prior to her Bible study, her leading Bible study is that like to a sacrifice is something that we give that is not necessarily easy or that is something that is of value. And so to be that living sacrifice and to be compared to that, I just looked at it like, yo, I have to sacrificially live my life. Like I literally just took the actual words and just flipped them around like living sacrifice. I need to sacrificially live my life. And so um, I guess I had just always looked at it like, Life isn't going to be easy. I understand, like, um, as you guys know, like, passion is one of my biggest things in the world. Like, it's a part of my platform. It's a part of, part of my mantra, my life's mantra, my brand, my business. Like, passion is pursuit. And I have this definition of passion. But outside of my personal definition that God gave me, like, the root word of passion is passion. Pa 
Passio, P-A-S-S-I-O, which means to suffer. And so I always looked at it like, you know, asking that question, like, what are you willing to suffer for? And that even when I started doing that study and when I started breaking that down and I'm giving you guys time to respond to us. But when I started doing that study and breaking that down and getting a further understanding and clarification of what the word passion meant. Um, and I think I started teaching on it in the pulpit, probably around. I don't know when I did that, maybe 2018, I don't know. Nevertheless, when I had that understanding, I'm like, yo, this makes perfect sense, the passion of Christ. Like this makes perfect sense why I always felt like my passion for like, when people always equated or thought or assumed that my passion was writing, right? Or pu pu public speaking or something. And I'd be like, yeah, no, I like those things and I'm gifted in those things, but it's not my passion. Like I'm passionate for Christ. Like I go hard for Christ because I just always thought like passion is the, well, my definition of passion is passion is the driving force in one's life. It's the thing that keeps you dedicated, motivated, and focused while striving to achieve greatness. So I'm like, well, what is the thing that keeps me dedicated, motivated, and focused? Like, what is the fuel and the gas to my engine? And so I just always was like, yo, that's Jesus because I can stop writing any day and I will be good. Like, I love it. It is the outlet for me, but it is not the driving force in my life. But when I had received a revelation that the root word of passion, passio, means to suffer, I started looking at it differently like, yo, what am I willing to suffer for? And so I looked at, I think I started looking at that living sacrifice, like as a sacrifice is something that we're offering up. So I'm offering up my body despite how it feels, despite what it look like, looks like, if it's easy. Um, and if I have to suffer, meaning that Jesus died so that we can live, but it's not that so that we can live and do what it is that we want to do, but so that we can be free in our lives, if that makes sense. And so I feel like I'm like going in this big old circle to say, like, I equated sacrifice to suffering, which I feel like Dana gave us greater revelation on that and on Tuesday. But I, I equated for so long sacrifice to suffering and looking at like sometimes it, my life may require me to suffer um, in order to do what it is that God has called me to do. And I think that the reason why it ministered to me so much um, is because I received further revelation and understanding that it doesn't necessarily entail suffering, but more so like I looked at uh, one of my biggest things that I received was like the heart posture of living. Mm. So of course my Microsoft Word is doing the same thing it did on Tuesday and it's not allowing me to scroll. So let me pray over pray than that. But anyway, um that was one thing that I thought was really deep or helpful in terms of practically applying the study to our lives is that it says that you present your bodies. And so we broke that part down. And in terms of presenting your body, it has to be the totality of the body. It has to be the mind. It has to be the physicality. It has to be the spirit. It has to be the soul. But it also has to be the heart, which is a part of your body, actually the center of your being. And we all know that uh, life flows from our heart. Yeah. And that and so if you're a living sacrifice, then you have life in it. And so if that flows from your heart, the life that you put into your things flows from your heart, from your intentions, then your heart has to be in your sacrifice when you present your body. And something else that I had really studied, oh, it's from 1 Corinthians 13, obviously the chapter on love, but it says, 
you know, if I could just read it. But it says if you don't have basically if you don't if you do nothing with love, then you don't have anything and you don't gain anything. And yeah, so like, it's like I am nothing without love. Like without love, I have no gain. Right. And so if you're sacrificing something, you're giving up something of value for the use of something else. And that means you want to gain something from it, which means you have to have love in it, which means you have to have your heart in it when you present your body as a living sacrifice. And and like not just going through the motions, I feel like. And not just like presenting, presenting your body obviously then means the totality of the body. But then as it says, as a living sacrifice, that's because the old sacrifices were dead. And so if we're more than that because the Old Testament ways of slaying beasts and presenting those are gone once the ultimate lamb died for our sins. So now it's like, you don't need to do that again and just present a dead body. So what's the difference if you just present yourself as a dead body, meaning with li without life in it? Because then it's just like you're presenting a slain lamb or a slain mm -hmm. beast. So clearly when you present yourself, it has to be with life in it because that was the shift in you know old testament to new so if we now have to present our sacrifices as living and not just dead beasts we have to have life in it and to have life in it or to do anything to gain anything it has to be done with love and so you know what made me think of i'm sorry no just saying that recognizing that um you have to when and practically speaking, when you are presenting yourself to God, presenting your body to God, it means presenting your whole body, it means presenting your heart and doing things from the heart. First Corinthians 13 says, though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I have become sounding brass or a clanging cymbal. And though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith so that I can remove mountains, but have not love, I am nothing. Yeah. And I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to the to the burned, but have not love, it profits me nothing. So it says you are nothing, and it profits you nothing if you don't have love. And so when people say like, "Well, I'm working in the church, I'm an usher, I've been an usher for thirty some years," but if your heart was never in it, you're nothing, and you presented nothing, you've gained nothing, you sacrificed nothing, you presented Wait, nothing. Right. And so when people say that. When we think of being a living sacrifice to God, it can't just be the things that we do in our bodily exercise, but it has to be our heart posture. And that when, when you were speaking, it just made me think of the scripture, um, not out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks, but uh, give, what is this that give not grudgingly or of necessity because God loves a cheerful giver. And cheerful, I remember in my church back in St. Louis, he always made us break down cheerful. So God loves a cheerful, hilarious, happy, excited, prompt to do it giver. So I'm not giving because it's what is required of me. I'm not living this life It's because this is what is an obligation or the Christian or the right thing to do. I'm giving and I'm living and I'm serving God and becoming this. I feel like I always say like a lot of times we walk around with these jerseys of our favorite team. And as a Christian, our jersey is this big old bright red jersey that say Jesus on the back. So we're literally just a representation of Jesus that's walking around with a Jesus tattooed on our forehead, right? And so like, I'm not doing things because people identify me as a Christian or because like I have to do these things to be the example, but more so I have to do these things because I want to do these things. Like I want to be the example. I want people to know like I'm representing Jesus. Like he's 
tatted on my forehead. His name is like across my back. And I, I, I live, you know, excited, like cheerful, happy, hilarious, ready, prompt to do what it is that he has called me to do, even if I don't always feel like it, even if I'm not always in the best space. Like, I just want to give God my best. And I believe that, like, that's the understanding of that, that living sacrificially just in one stance, because I know that you talked about the totality of being a living sacrifice, meaning um, in our minds, in our hearts, in our body and in our soul. Um, but I was just speaking about like the heart posture of doing everything as unto Christ, like doing everything from working for my boss or for church or for myself or for my clients as if I'm doing it specifically to God. And then it helps us take I personally believe it helps me take the emotion out of things. So it, even when I was working in corporate America, if I wasn't always like, uh, especially at my first job right out of college, like I did not have the best first first job out of college corporate America experience. And so I literally had to train my mind to work for my boss and work for my managers and do these things as if I was doing it to God because I was just so discouraged. I felt like an outcast. I felt belittled. I felt judged. I felt misplaced. And so literally in order for me to show up and not just go through the motions, but to show up and give my best and do what it is that God had called me to do in that season, I had to act like I was going to work for God every day because I was ultimately. And so I kind of feel like it's the same thing now. Like, Every and everything that I do, no matter how challenging or difficult or discouraging or discouraged I may be, I need to show up as if it's specifically for my clients or for my family or for myself that is specifically for God. And I think that that's how we become a living sacrifice. So even during my one on one time with God this morning, that's actually the question that I asked him. I wrote down in my journal, girl, I didn't grab the wrong journal. I done went all the way over there to grab the wrong journal. But I wrote in my journal, I said, dear God, how, I said, what does being a living sacrifice look like practically and in the natural? Like, that's what I asked him because I knew that that was something that we discussed on Tuesday. But I didn't want to wait till Tuesday to get the answer. <laughs> like, I didn't want to wait to hear what thus says the Lord through Dana. So I wanted to ask God for myself, like, God, what does being a living sacrifice look like practically? Like, how is this explained in the natural? And one of the things that he told me was, I'm about to go get the other notebook. But one of the things that he told me was to be a living sacrifice starts with mass a mindset mastery and i felt like i was like okay guys so what does that mean and it's very funny now that i think about it because when he said that i didn't even realize until this conversation that that's what we spoke about or a little bit of what i spoke about last week was mindset mastery and so when he said it starts with mindset mastery of gaining control in one area to relinquish control in another. And then he started kind of like giving me these like downloads of what that looks like. So for instance, in the scripture, what is that? Matthew 634, it says, it's in Matthew 634, it says, therefore do not worry about tomorrow for sufficient is today for its own worries. And more so that means like, take no thought for tomorrow. Like don't even be in tomorrow. But a lot of times, we're allowing 
fear and frustration and doubts and worries and anxiety to overcome us in this moment because we are more fixated and focused on the next moment. And so what God gave me in that illustration about living sacrificially is when you have that mindset master and you gain control over your mind, like, okay, I have decided that I am not going to be thinking about tomorrow. Therefore, take no thought for tomorrow. Do not worry about tomorrow. I have decided and I have made the decision that I am going to surrender and sacrifice those thoughts of tomorrow over to God and then take back control and the power in my now. And so that's one of the things and one of the examples that God gave me about living sacrificially is like it be it begins in the mind. And I feel like it's kind of like an underlining theme of what God has been having us talk about over the course of our last three weeks. We have been talking about decisions. We have been talking about love. We have been talking about desires and heart postures and humility and mindset mastery. And so when we get to living sacrificially and be asking that question, like, what does this look like practically, God? Like, how do I apply this to my life? It's like I hear him prophetically speaking to me right now. Like, yo, it begins with you going back and watching over your the, the last few conversations you and Dana had live. Like, I've been giving y'all the jewels. I've been giving you the downloads of what it looks like practically, naturally, and in the spirit to live sacrificially. <laughs> hey, Auntie. Auntie Joni. I need a special prayer from you during this quarantine time. I've been on a on the negative side a little. Absolutely. We'll make sure that we keep you prayed up and positive. We hope that you're still on and joining us. We'll pray for you at the end. Danny, you got anything you want to add? Because ain't nobody respond to us about what your definition of living sacrificially is. Uh, well, one, just to say that it's to the person's last comment is, I think, natural to feel a little on the downside during this time. I think everybody has gone through it because it's just, I don't want to say unnatural, but kind of it's unnatural to be in isolation because God, you know, created us to be in relationships. So if you're in some form of isolation, whether it be by yourself or just with one other person or be it isolation because you're in one confined space naturally it's going to feel unnatural and spiritually it's going to feel, you know, it's going to irritate you or be bothersome. So don't think it's, or don't be discouraged that you feel down in this time because everyone does. And it's somewhat both natural and spiritual. And so, yes, we can pray on that in terms of the living sacrifice of, I had something and I lost it just now when I said that. But um, why, why you think about that? Let me speak to something, too. I think that um, I had a bit of a challenging week this week. Today is my first day. Like super am super excited, super like back to me. Um, and so I think that even when you're having a low moment or filled with negativity, you have to actively try at least, you know, actively try to do things to get you out of that space. So I know for me, spiritually speaking, one of the things that I did was um, I really started researching uh, solitude, actually. I need to go get my notebook. Oh, wait, is it in this one? <laughs> no, nah, this ain't in this one. This is talking about Michael Todd. 
Um, I started researching Jesus. solitude, and basically it was this um website that I found that was talking about the six the six reasons why you know solitude can be beneficial, or sometimes we have to go into a place of separation. And some even though this is more so a forced separation, it was in me learning like the different um reasons why we separate uh for some seasons and the benefits that we receive from that. And these were all based off of biblical and scriptural truths, right? And when I studied that yesterday and went through these like six different reasons and I took out the meat of what the reasoning was and the benefits of what they received from it, I started looking at it like, okay, well, let me make sure that maybe I, or not maybe, but let me try or begin to shift my perspective on what's happening and more so focus on the good things that are coming out of this than the bad things. Um, so something I studied, I read my Bible, I prayed a lot. I watched sermons. Um, I also listened to gospel music. I switched up my environment. I left my room. I took showers. I walked around, like even went around on a walk around the block. So I, I know that it's very challenging and it can be difficult if you consistently like in the same area and in the same space and you can even get your creativity drained or you could be alone in your house. Like, I don't know what your situation is. Like you can be alone and like not having that physical connection and touch can also mess with you and put you in just this headspace of just like thinking and having just being everywhere. But I just wanted to give you some encouragement that, one, you're not alone, like Dana said, but two, also like start looking for ways for you to kind of pull yourself out of that space. Did you even remember now? Small, I didn't remember. But even if it's a small thing, like I've been extra down one because hormonally, I know I was like going through ups and downs. Then I started this diet and workout plan and it's I'm eating things I don't want to eat rather than eating comfort food. And so when I was feeling down, it was like a multitude of things and on top of just the quarantine. And one thing that I legit looked forward to doing was drinking a protein shake because it's vanilla flavor. And it was like my dessert in that moment because I'm on this diet thing, meal plan. And so I was looking forward to just drinking my protein shake, sitting on my couch and watching Monk. So <laughs> Something that does, you know, makes you happy. Sweet stuff makes me happy. And Monk is one of my favorite TV shows. So I just sat on my couch and said, okay, you're going to get 45 minutes to just sit here, drink your dessert, and watch Monk. And then legit, I will feel better. So just if you know certain things that do make you happy, just take the time out and don't um, be hard on yourself that you're taking that time out to do those things. For me, it's watching TV makes me happy and eating dessert. So... Just or you can try new things. I started working out, and that's a new thing for me. Like, it ain't me. Oh, that's cute. I, I just you know, okay, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. How I feel afterwards makes me happy. So during it, like, so hold on, this is a sidebar. So I've been doing, like, these two, three different workouts. So I, me and my mama do our workouts, and we do these slides. Like, we just created this YouTube playlist of all the different slides, and then we uh, – substitute some of the dance moves for actual like workout exercises. So that's like fun. I just, I feel like that's like cardio, cool. 30 minutes cardio. Then there's this other workout that I do with my friend that I paid for. I wanted to support her, but also like didn't realize that this is going to like try to take me out. So I started doing that workout and she makes us cause it's via zoom. And so you need the link. So she makes us turn our camera on. Like if you got the camera off, she's sending you the request, like request, please turn your camera on. So, okay. She can see me looking crazy. 
Then there's this other friend who does hers live every day on Facebook and tags me in them. Nevertheless, to make a long story short, she can't see me. So it was, we got to like the end. I'm already like, this is too much. Like I was playing on straight in my hair. Like y'all got me messed up. And like, she's just like, all right, turn over on your stomachs and we're going to go up in three, two. I never went up. So although I did not go up, I didn't do the last planks. I didn't do the last nothing. Like I was just tired. I just couldn't take it no more. Afterwards, I, I felt like so much energy and so much joy. And then last week I hit five workouts, which just the more, most workouts I probably did in two years, especially in one week. So I'm just saying like, although like working out may not be the fun thing to do, it's something different. It's something new and it provides me with energy and joy. And I feel like it's a part of my new rhythm. That's cute for you. If anyone else wants to try like uh, dancing, aerobics, workouts while we're in quarantine, you all should check out Soka and Sweat. S-O-C-A, the letter N, Sweat, S-W-E-A-T. They have like $5 classes and it's basically dancing and it's still a workout. So it's fun for people who find that stuff fun. Anyway. Me and Dana about to uh, get our sexy back and then we're going to start hosting these joint workouts. Anyway, so... Or what we got a question. Say that I remembered. I do see the question, but my what I remember goes into the answer to that question. Okay. Is that sacrifice is defined as an act of giving up something valued for the sake of something else regarded as more important or worthy. And that goes to our past conversations about our commitment and our devotion, and you not be. You're not going to be devoted to anything that you don't have value in, that you don't have loyalty in, that you don't have love in, that you don't have trust in. So it's going to be hard to sacrifice for God if you're if you don't have your love in it for it, if you don't find the worth in it, meaning him, if you don't find the loyalty, because otherwise you're not going to want to give up something that you value because you don't value God more than it's something that you value. And so one thing that God had told me sometime recently, I forgot when, but or revealed to me and told me was like, I have to love him more than I love X, Y, Z. And if you don't love him more than you love X, Y, Z, you're not going to sacrifice the X, Y, and Z for Jesus, for God, because you value those things more than you value God. So sacrificing practically also looks like how much do you love God? Because you can't get to that sacrifice. You can't get to the practical steps of sacrifice if you don't have that underlying love for God. Because once it comes to him saying, okay, now sacrifice your mind for this or do this because I said so over that. If you're that and you're this is more important or valued than God, then you cannot practically get into the steps that we may offer you that God may reveal to you. And ultimately, this goes back to one of our first conversations in my first Bible study. A sacrifice is also an offering. Like when you went and presented the slain beast, they were an offering to God, a thing offered uh, as a contribution or a sacrifice. So offering to God is a sacrifice. So what you offer to God is your sacrifice. And if we think about it, Christ's offering of himself in the crucifixion was obviously a sacrifice and the ultimate sacrifice. So when we emulate that, or when we uh, try to emulate that through self-crucifixion, it is also a form of sacrifice. So the past conversations we had about self-crucifixion, that is another practical way of how you sacrifice or be uh, present yourself as a living sacrifice to God. You crucify your flesh daily. And that is a form of sacrifice. 
don't think that living sacrificially um can be defined as giving your best and um giving it to him first because if we look in the, we look at the sacrifices back in the old testament um in the, although they were like then he asked for the first or he asked for the best like we even know when it came to Cain and Abel right there was contention between them because one gave of the best and the first and then the other gave of what you know he just gave up yeah. Um, yeah, like he gave up. Uh, he didn't give the best. He didn't give the fattest. He didn't give the first, the richest. He just made sure that he gave what he was supposed to give, but he didn't give with a right heart. And he did. It wasn't really of any value to him because he kept what was the best. And so I guess I now throughout this conversation, God so good. Like throughout this conversation, I'm learning like to even live sacrificially. It's not so much that I'm giving God my all. It's just that I'm giving him my best. Like I'm showing up and giving it to him first. And I guess like if I was to sum all of this up, that living sacrificially is just a tithe of your life. And because I know that one of the things that Dana spoke, maybe not in this level, was she was talking about it may not. And quote me if I'm wrong, but you you said something about like being committed and being devoted doesn't mean like you're only committed to one thing. Right. But, you know, you're you found value in this and you committed and you're devoted. To, to this thing, but that doesn't mean that you're not committed and devoted in other areas or to other things. And I kind of look at that like even when it comes to the tide, I'm going to just say financially, like we get a hundred dollars and then guys like I only want 10 percent. Give it to me first. And like it's the best part. And so we giving him back what he already gave to us. And it's not so much about the amount. It's not so much about how we do it, but it is more so about the heart posture uh, I mean, not so much about why we do it, but how we're doing it. And it's about the heart posture of how we're giving to God and how we're giving it to Christ. Right. And how we understand that we're only giving it back because he first gave it to us. And so it's the same thing with our lives. Like when we're living in every decision that we're making. We're only we should be giving God our best and we should be seeking him first, like in Matthew 6, 33, because he gave us this life. Like it says that we, we are able to love him because he first loved us. And so we're he made the decision to love us. He made the decision to give his son for us. He made the decision for us to be able to receive salvation so that we can have be adopted into his king kingship and to become his son and daughter like these are all the decisions that he made with us in mind and so now we get to make the decision to do i want to accept jesus christ as my lord and savior do i want to seek him first do i want to live my life for him do i want to give a tithe and offering not just a tithe or offering with my money but with my time with my talent and my desires and my relationship like ultimately the question is like to live sacrificially is to give god your best so much God was giving me in that moment, but that goes to the rest of Romans 12, one that we weren't speaking on, but the end of the verse says, which is your reasonable service. Like this is your sacrifice is your reasonable service. Like you can't give nothing to God, right? That like we can't give God with anything really, except what he asked of us and our service is the reasonable I don't want to say quid pro quo because there'll never be a quid pro quo with God, but yeah. it's a reasonable thing you can give back after all that God gave you. And when we broke down Romans 12, 1 in the Bible study, we broke down the word therefore, because it says, I beseech you therefore, brethren. And the therefore being a conclusory word means that he said something before that, that came to this conclusion. And that means you have to look at Romans 11 and 
just the whole book of Romans in itself. But the verse in Romans, the verses that come right before 12, 1 is Romans 11, 33 to 36. And it says, oh, the depth of the riches, both of the wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments and his ways past finding out. For who has known the mind of the Lord or who has become his counselor or who has first given to God and it shall be repaid to him, meaning the person who first gave to Christ, we, I, to God. We obviously already know all these instances is nobody. So for, it goes on in verse 36, for of him and through him and to him are all things. So if everything is of him anyway, and everything that you have, meaning your money, meaning your gifts, meaning your services, meaning your job, meaning your relationships, if everything you have came from him anyway, it's of him, through him, and to him anyway, why can't you just give it back? Because you value it yourself or thinking that you got it yourself, essentially. That's the only reason that you would hold on to it that way, because you think you got it yourself. You think you got that job on your own. You think you got that money on your own. You think you got that man or that woman on your own. You think that you did everything on your own, and you're leaving out God. Because once you recognize that God gave it to you, it would be nothing to give it back, to sacrifice it back. And then the other thing was when we were speaking on why people have hard time sacrificing certain things or certain areas or giving up their best, as you said it, or their first, is because they value it more than they value God. And Matthew 6, 21 says, for where, you for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So if your treasure is in your best, and not in God, and you thinking that you got that best on your own, you're going to value that treasure over your value of God. So if you're, because your heart is there. So if your heart is in your money and your heart is not in God, you're going to think that's your money and you're going to value that over God. And then you're not going to sacrifice that over to God. But once you have that money, but your heart and your value is in God, it'll be nothing to now sacrifice that because you value God more than you value the money. So you have to, in terms of practically being living sacrifices, you have to Ask yourself, what do you value? And in what areas do you value things more than you value God? And let's not just think of money. Let's think of your mind. Do you value having control over your mind more than you value God? Do you, have, do you value um, sin more than you value God? Like, let's be real. Do you value Hennessy more than you value God? Do you value your free will more than you value God? Because then you're going to want to hold on to those things and not sacrifice it over to God. So it might be easy to sacrifice that tithe, that first 10%, because maybe your value isn't in your money, but your value where you think it's yours is in something else, and you cannot sacrifice that over to God. So you can't be a living sacrifice in its totality because you have certain things and areas that you value more than God. So to reflect on what you value more, look at where your treasures are, because that's where your heart is also. So where is your treasure? That's good. That remind me um, of this song that my church used to sing back in the day. And when I say back in the day, like 2012, but still back in the day when I first moved up here, there there was this um this tithes and offering. They they played this during the giving. And the song literally is like this. I ain't never even heard this song until I moved to New York. And it's like, you just can't beat God's giving. And literally, that's what the song just keeps saying over and over and over. You can't be God's giving. And I'm like, okay. Like, I literally thought about that. And it wasn't until I'm probably, we stopped singing the song. We moved off of 96th Street. We in Herald Square now. We at the hotel. And I'm like, I remember one day I was like worshiping. You know, they were playing some song. I don't even know. And they playing some song. And I'm standing up, like shaking my tie and offering envelope. And I start crying. And I was like, I can't be God giving. And it was like, yo, 22, 23 year old Cassandra, like, 
Yeah, like, okay, we can't be God giving cool. Like, let me give him my money. And now, like, my heart, I, I started realizing, and I probably was at a place of sacrifice where I had to probably, if I'm thinking correctly, if I'm reflecting correctly, that the reason why I probably ministered so much to me is because I had saw God over my life, over from 2012 to whatever year I had this, like, heart-wrenching praise and offering time with God, that I had seen God move in my life. Like in 2012, I had moved up here. Yeah, $200, two suitcases and a boatload of faith. So I moved up here on faith, but I still had the support of my mother and my grandfather. But as life continued to journey and I got older and started having to live on my own and figure out things on my own and pay all my bills on my own. Right. That and they were, like my mom and my grandfather paid one month of rent for me. And so after and she told me, like, Cassandra, I can get you here. You have to keep you here. And so just to sum it all up, like I had been through so much and I had never stopped giving God a tithe or even when I didn't have money coming in, I would give him an offering. And when I didn't know, like I had 12, I remember I had $12 in my bank account one time and I was like, I might as well give all this money to God because it ain't going to help me pay no bills. And then literally I would get a gig that week or I would get, you know, a unexpected paycheck or another opportunity to work somewhere and provide and then I'm able to pay my bills and so I think that what happened in that moment is I realized like yo I really can't be God's giving because he has shown himself mighty to me that and so I think that in addition to where does our value lie sometimes we have a skewed perception and it could be our faith on like the power the majesty the sovereignty of God like sovereign means supreme ruler. When I say that prayer in the morning or in our opening, like, God, you are the sovereign God, our supreme ruler. You are the alpha and the omega, the beginning and the end, the author and the finisher of our faith. You are king of kings. You are Lord of lords. Like literally I'm putting him back into remembrance. Like I'm basically putting my put in I guess in speaking it, I'm reminding myself of the God that I serve. Like I'm entering into his gates with thanksgiving and recognizing like before I ask you for anything, before I come into this prayer, even asking for forgiveness of my sins. Like I want to acknowledge who you are because you are bigger than whatever issue, whatever situation, whatever circumstance that I may be um presented with in this moment so before i even ask you for anything let me come and recognize that you are uh infinite in all your ways and sometimes it's difficult in my finite mind to understand how you're going to work it out or to understand that i can't be god's given and to understand that if my bills if my electric bill costs a hundred dollars and giving you 10 is leaving me at 90 i don't know how you're gonna work it out but i know that you're god and that you're in control so sometimes it could be like Dana said, and I think that that was a valid and amazing point of where does your value lie? But there's other times of how do I perceive and how do I look at my God? Yeah, if you don't know the value of God, of course you're going to misvalue it. Or... One commentary cites Paul is using the language of OT animal sacrifice. Old Testament animal sacrifice to express the idea of a complete giving oneself to God. That's good. When we talked about it on Tuesday, we talked about it as a totality, a totality, a complete surrenderance, a complete presentation, a um, total. Because we broke down each part of the verse and the part that says "present your bodies," we did compare that to presenting the slain. Um, 
beast and how you have to give the whole self. And we use Tony Evans' analogy where he says, think of it as a chicken and a pig at breakfast. The chicken gives part of him, he gives the egg. The pig gives his whole self so that you can have bacon. And so we had a reflection question of, are you giving an egg or are you giving bacon? Like, are you giving a part of you, are you just laying this egg and say, all right, you can have that part, God? Or are you laying your whole life on the line saying you can have and use me? And that was the other part of us looking at the word living sacrifice is that living, that it says that she presents your bodies. So that's like your here I am, Lord. But then the verse goes on to say as living sacrifice and living meaning is now going to be used because if it was dead, once something's dead, its use is done, its purpose is done, the work is complete. But if it's living, that means it still has a purpose in it. It still has a use for it. So that she presents your bodies, here I am, Lord, as living sacrifices, use me. So breaking down Romans 12, once and say, that's like your here I am, Lord, use me. And not just presenting yourself, like, all right, I showed up to church, but presenting yourself as someone that can be used, which means you have to present your whole, your whole body, that your bodily exercise be in it that your mind be in it, that your heart be in it, that your spirit be in it, that it is a totality. Um, and there's something else, but we also broke down what it meant to be living and that meant looking at what it means to be dead. Mm -hmm. And one thing that God gave me in the Bible study was when we have faith without works, it's dead. So if you are operating in your works without your faith, as Cassandra just spoke on briefly, like when we are, sometimes we miss up or we devalue God because we don't have as much faith in God, then you're dead because faith without works is dead. And the opposite is true. Works without faith is dead. So if you're just out here working without faith, you're dead. If you're working with just faith and no works, it's dead. So if you're to be a living sacrifice, it means you cannot be dead, which means you have to have works and faith. So to be living sacrifice means you have to not devalue God, but that means you have to recognize or have your faith in God to recognize who he is and believe it. So if you recognize like, you're the author and the finisher, you're the alpha and the maker, you're the supreme and sovereign God, you got to believe that too. Uh -huh. I had something, but I forgot. I feel like I have to learn to separate doing things out of obligations versus being a living sacrifice. Um, I, be I believe that the learning is in the doing. And I also, I still kind of feel like it kind of goes back to the mindset of it, right? So even when you, I know with me, I started asking myself, like, I know because I started becoming a part of a lot of servant roles and was called to do a lot of different things in a lot of different areas in ministry and in life. And I started having to ask myself, like, yo, am I doing this because it's what's required of me or I'm obligated or am I doing this because I want to? And even if it is required of me and even if I'm obligated, that doesn't mean that I can't have the heart posture of want to. So. Mm, I'm the youth minister at my church. And so um, at one point I was teaching the young adults every Sunday. And then the last Sunday of every month, I was also teaching in a pulpit. And so as the youth minister, like that was kind of my obligation. 
And so it didn't matter how I felt or if I wanted to, like this was what was required of me. But after doing it for so long or doing it so consistently, like I had to make sure that I kept myself humbled and at the foot of the throne, like literally just humbled myself so that it could remain not me going through the motions, but me keeping that same passion, like to suffer, to me keeping that same hunger, that same like desire that I had when I first began. And I think that that took a level of intentionality of me rekindling that love and not just going through the motions. I remember when I would first start, um, I went out for, I'm going to just talk about all the way in 2016, maybe um, when I did my first sermon um, in the pulpit. I was so nervous. I was afraid. I was like, me, God, why me? I don't know why you call me to this pulpit. I just became a youth minister in February. It is not July. Why am I in this pulpit? I don't get it. This ain't what, this is not what I had planned for my life. I just went through these, like all of these emotions, but I knew that God was calling me. And so although I was intimidated, although I was afraid, I was also excited. And so I remember I studied, I fasted, I went all in. Um, I would consistently like just repeat repeat my sermon like I would do like when I first did speaking engagements like when I first started getting paid and even unpaid speaking engagements I used to write out my speeches and recite them and perform them to my bed or to my wall or record them on my phone and replay them in my mind when I, I mean replay them while I was sleeping like I used to do so much in preparation for a keynote speech I used to do so much in preparation to deliver God's word and not that I don't do so much in preparation I still do uh, preparation i still study and everything but i may not and i'm just gonna be honest and transparent and vulnerable with y'all i don't recall the last time that i actually practiced my sermon before i gave it yes i studied yes i you know did everything this yes, i fasted yeah you know let's i still do the foundational things that are required for me to receive from god but did i actually try to go through it and try to articulate it and see what my delivery will look like no because it kind of became familiar to me it became my norm even when i was teaching the young adults every sunday i went from like preparing that monday so that i could study throughout the week to knowing and finding my rhythm like all right i can i can wait till friday or saturday get this word from god and then deliver it to them on sunday but i started realizing i remember i cried out to god like god Am I just going through the motions? Like, God, am I giving you, am I giving you my best? Am I giving them my best right now? Or am I just knowing that, that your grace is sufficient? Am I knowing that I can just rely and depend on your grace? And I thank God, like, I only been teaching in the pulpit for a certain amount of years. Like, I'm only 30. I only been doing this stuff for so many years. And I rec I, I believe that God convicted me early enough so that whatever this faith journey takes me on, wherever God leads me to in ministry or in any area of my life, like, I should always have that zeal, that hunger, that fire that I had in the very beginning. But what I believe that that requires is intentionality of first asking myself the hard questions and having to move beyond the veil and deal with me like are you doing this because you want to or are you doing this because you're supposed to and even if you're supposed to and you don't want this are you still giving your best and is your heart in the right place so i think that those are like great questions to ask yourself i was going to say that when i think of the word obligation is something that you have to do versus something you want to do so it then now looks like the same thing we've been talking about too something you have to do versus a desire. So do you have a desire to do what you have to do? Is yeah. 
to help separate it feeling like an obligation because it's now something you want to do. So it's not going to feel like an obligation. So if you want to do it, it means you desire it. So that's where your prayer comes in, where you say, God, give me the desires of your heart or let my desires be in alignment with your will so that when you're doing things, if you're in line with God's will, when you're doing things, it means it's something that you're supposed to be doing. But if your desires are now in line with God's will, as you're doing those things, you'll want to do those things and it'll feel less like an obligation. So the before you even get to the step that Cassandra said, I would ask yourself, what are you doing? Like, what do you feel obligated to? Because maybe you're obligated to something you're not supposed to be obligated to because it's outside of God's will. And that's why it feels like an obligation. Because if you're in God's will and you're doing God's will, it's not going to feel like an obligation. So yeah. if you're feeling like everything feels like an obligation, that may be a sign that you're outside of God's will. So then check yourself to see if you're outside of God's will. If you are in God's will and you know you're in God's will, then pray that prayer that says, God, match my desires of my heart to your will. Because there are times where you're going to be in God's will, but you don't want to be there. Like, I don't know if I told this testimony on here or somewhere else where I wanted something so extremely bad, badly. I wanted something extremely badly and God was like, I ain't got that for you. So you could have it, but then you're not going to be in my will. You're not going to have my protection. Or you could be in my will. And you're not going to have what you want. So then I decided I wanted to be in God's will, which meant I did not have what I wanted. So I was in God's will, but my desire wasn't there because my desire was outside of God's will. So I had to pray to God to remove that bitterness and that resentment by asking him to give me the desire to be in his will. Not only, the, not only pray to be in his will, but give me the desire to be in his will. So... Maybe you have to check yourself. One, are you in God's will? Two, if you are in God's will, but you still feel like it's an obligation, then pray to God and ask him to give you the desire to be in his will. And then it will, won't will feel like an obligation because then the things you're doing, you know you're doing for purpose and with purpose. Then the things you're doing, you know you're doing it for God, so it'll be easier to do it for God. So for instance, when I'm in places and spaces where I don't want to be, but I know it's a part of God's will. I then do the things anyway, because I'm like, all right, I know that this is a part of my purpose anyway. So then the desire starts to build up anyway, because I'm telling myself that, or the desire starts to manifest because God will make other ways for it to become desirable. And I'll be able to shift my perspective and look at the good in what I'm doing, even though it's an obligation and it might not be an obligation I like, but then because I know I'm in purpose and I'm doing it with purpose, and I pray that God give me the desire to be in that will, then I'm able to shift my perspective and everything feels less like an obligation. Or even when it does feel like an obligation, I'm able to get over that hump quicker or shift my perspective quicker. So I would start there before you go anywhere else too, because maybe you feeling like you're obligated to do something is God's wake up call to show you, hey, you're not in my will. I think another thing that sometimes our obligations, uh, we can lose the desire in our obligations because it becomes it starts feeling more like work um, and it was no longer fun to us or it begins to drain us or we feel like the level of responsibility has become a burden. And I believe that that is when we start trying to do things in our own strength is when um, we're no longer leaning on God or being used by God. Or like you said, you know, the well, heart not no longer like, go ahead. What you say? I said, are well, you dealing with people you don't want to deal with? Child. Yeah. Yeah. Like whether you're dealing with people you don't want to deal with, the work is becoming burdensome. Like, I think that that goes back to like, all right, 
if it's we dealing with people that we want to deal with, I have to I have to go back to the scriptures. Like, for I wrestle not against flesh and blood. So, all right, God, like you said, you're gonna fight these battles for me. Let me have to handle this over to you. But sometimes we get we forget like what that looks like, or we just tired. Like, yo, bro, I'm tired and I don't want to have to put up with this and I don't want to have to put up with you. And so now I gotta go back, I gotta go back to the cross. I gotta humble myself, I gotta die to my flesh flesh because I know that this is what I'm called to do. So now I go back to God in humility and repentance. And then with that prayer that Dana said, like, Lord, give me the desire to do your will and to live out your will with a right heart, because these people getting on my nerves and this circumstance and this responsibility is feeling like a burden. And so have I gotten out of your will? Have I started looking at myself like I'm in control? Have I stopped leaning on you? Have I stopped seeking you diligently? Like what has shifted? in my rhythm or shifted in my mindset, shifted in my perspective or shifted in my heart posture that has gotten me to this place of don't want to, tired, drained, and low-key God is literally only your Holy Spirit that is keeping me in this place of consistently showing up. Because I even know one of the things, like one of the responsibilities that I've had like last year um, up until now, that it was becoming, it was no longer like exciting for me. It was no longer like I didn't even get joy. People would be telling me thank you and, you know, I appreciate you. And those things will fuel me and keep me afloat for a minute. But I just would like be doing this and going through the motions because God says so. Like because God said so. But then I'm hearing people on the back end like, you know, like you got all their opinions, but they're not stepping up to help out. Like you're not you are not helping me, but you got opinions and you you want to say what you want to say. And so I really God was like, yo, are you serving them or are you serving me? And when he said that, I was like, oh, yeah, God, my bad. All right, cool. I show I show back up with a right heart because for a moment for maybe a month, maybe even longer. I don't know. But for a moment, like I was doing it. Because it was what was required out of me. And I knew that if I did not do it, nobody else would. Like, I knew it. I knew that if nobody, if I didn't do it, nobody else would. And it would probably fall apart. But it was in my, in, in spite or despite how I felt or in spite of whatever I thought that it was in my discipline to consistently show up for God. And because I was called to that, he turned that thing around and worked it in all of our favor. Commitment. Commitment. <laughs> no, thank you. Ah, did we already talk about obligation? A little part of what? Uh, she said that a long time ago. Yes, I don't know what she's referring to. It's obligation, a little part of what? I feel like as long as you're not just doing it out of obligation, but out of love as the driving force. Ding, 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 ding. My heart, it, the sun that came out, my heart's looking see-through. All right. First Corinthians 9, 16, New Living Translation. Paul says he is compelled by God to preach the good news. He says, woe to me if I do not preach the gospel. Amen. <laughs> all right, y'all. So I think that um, we have answered all the questions and comments and responses. 
So um, if you guys, without further ado, if you guys don't have anything else, any other questions, I think that this was a great conversation on living sacrifice. Thank you, Dana, for leading this charge. You're such an amazing leader. You're my fave. <laughs> you want to pray us out? You know, it's so funny. What? Uh, you love me. When I was prepping for the Bible study on Tuesday and God gave me living sacrifice, I was like, wait. Didn't Cassandra do a Bible study on living sacrifice back when we did our one-on-one -on -one Bible study? So I pulled out my notebook and I had found it and it was from December 30th, 2017. And the title of your Bible study was Worship is a Lifestyle. Wow. And you said uh, that worship is to show respect and love for God. In the Greek is proskino. P-R-O-S-K-U-N-E-O, which means to fall down or bow before. And so you said worship starts from within the heart. Worship is sacrifice. God is calling us to a greater sacrifice of self. Romans 12, 1. Calling us to a higher level of service. My life, I said in 2018, but whatever, my life should be one of a living sacrifice. <laughs> Y'all send me those notes. Yeah, I'll show it to you. No, nah, send them. That's good, friend. Um, anyway, that was it. I just want to say that that was funny because we've obviously talked on this for a long time. A long time. I think we can just get a greater revelation. I know um, recently, and I we can end with this, but I know recently, um, what was the title of that Bible study? Worship is a lifestyle. Yeah, okay, good. Because I feel like recently, one of the things that God told me is the worship is a lifestyle. Like, literally, at the top of one of my, like, notes, it probably said, like, right up here, like, worship is a lifestyle. And so, God, can you change? Like, can you change? He just wants us to be reminded of what thus says the Lord. That's good. 2017, December. What'd you say? December what? 30th, 2017. Girl, because we wouldn't let no holiday stop us. God was like, no, you was not going to, into 2018 without worshiping me. Anyway. So, uh, we should say, pray us out. Yeah, yeah. This is how me and Dana be, uh, literally, y'all, this is how our real conversations go. We be all over the place, but we always end where we started. Glory to God. Thank you for joining us. You be all over the place. I don't. <laughs> These are facts. I be very spirit-led. And I'd be very. She do. She'd be like, it's the Lord. In our conversation, she'd be like this. No, I do. I'd be like. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. But it keeps us. I feel like we're a great blend of Kool Aid and sugar. I'm the Kool Aid. Yep. <laughs> definitely the sugar <laughs> like you already neatly packaged like you got all your ingredients already perfectly combined all we gotta do is just like rip the top off of you and pour it into the liquidy substance which is which is god and then me like god uses me to come make things a little sweeter however i'm like in this big old package but then it'd be like little bitty crystals everywhere that's just like drops that just make things better combined we are every Community's favorite drink. Or every community's favorite drink. As long as it's red. Or, or great, great fire. Yeah, great pool. Great, great number two, though. Mm. 
gotta go with gray. Purple, my favorite color too. But I know that's why our things is purple. Did you peep? Did I change it? it used to be black. No, it wasn't. It was always purple. Not on the first one. Oh wait, my bad. That was with me and Malik. All right, we losing <laughs> viewers. Now we doing the most. Uh, uh -oh, look. I'm praying. <laughs> that means you gotta add Sprite and ginger ale too if it's gonna be. Y'all love that church punch. That's what we grew up on. Is that your praying face? <laughs> Yo, just pray out and down my head eight times. Dear God, thank you for allowing us to have another conversation led by your Holy Spirit. Thank you for the clarity that you've given us personally and anyone else who is under the sound of our voice. Thank you for the revelation. Thank you for the um, deeper understanding and desire to want to get to have, want to get to know you better and have a deeper understanding past what we even might have said. Thank you for all that you've done, all that you're doing, all that you're doing. Thank you for moving in this moment and revealing to us the things you've called us to do. Thank you for revealing to us the, the places that we hold our desires and our values. Help us value you more than the things we value on this earth because we know earthly things are of no value. Help our mind be uh, fixated on you. Help us not to be carnally minded, but spiritually minded. Help us to not be dead, but living sacrifices. Help us to have the desire to want to serve you and walk in your purpose and not just feel obligated. Help us to have a heart posture that is pleasing to you, holy and acceptable. Help us to want to do for you, which is our reasonable service. Lord God, we also ask a special prayer or lift up those in this special prayer who are feeling depressed or sad or isolated or anxious or are having suicidal thoughts right now because of the season we're in, because of the forced isolation, because of maybe sicknesses that may be ravaging their own body or bodies of their family or loved ones, because they may be essential workers who are on the front lines and risking their lives and their families. Whatever it may be that is causing the mental attack or God, we bind it and rebuke it and cast it to the pits of hell. And we lift your name above all names. We lift your name above the coronavirus. We lift your name over COVID-19. We lift your name over depression. We lift your name over anxiety. We lift your name over suicide. And we praise your name for what you are going to do and work in them. We praise your name for turning it around. We praise your name for having all things work together for the good of those who love the Lord. We praise your name and we lift your name on high above all things, Lord God come against any attacks on anyone's mental, help them find the find you and find the thing that they need to get out and feel your joy and your peace. Pass your peace that surpasses all understanding to protect their hearts and minds. In Jesus' name, oh God, we lift everyone up who is suffering mentally. We lift everyone up who is living at home by themselves and is feeling some kind of depression or isolation. And we lift them up into your throne, into your grace, and into your protection, into your peace. Once again, God, we thank you for today. We praise your name. And we pray in your sake. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Um, what did you say was the other two ingredients in Church Punch, Sprite and Ginger Ale? Either or. Oh. That's like the Holy Spirit and God. All right, love y'all. Who am I?